This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk or 3people.k.uk for more information. Hello and welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. Well, tomorrow morning, Matt and I will be setting off early doors for a trip up north um, with Rich Brown as well from the from the regular show up to Middlesbrough. Um, Matt, are you looking forward to the drive? You know, I don't, I don't mind it. I've done, um, I've done the Middlesbrough drive quite a few times. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that one. I've got to be honest, although it's a long one. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's one well, I look forward to. Let's hope that uh, the journey home is uh, okay as well and that the result goes the right way. But we, we want to get a bit of information on Middlesbrough, on our, on our opponents. And um, we've managed to get Mark Benton on, uh, a star of stage and screen. Uh, Mark is with us now. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. Ready to chat about the best team in the land. Okay. Well, Bristol City chat is always good. Before we get into Middlesbrough and a few uh, you know, tidbits on what we can look forward to up in Middlesbrough and the team, etc. Obviously, you are you've got a, a great acting background and just want to chat a tiny bit about that if that's okay. Matt yeah. is uh, as as you said before we joined, he, you are one of his comedy heroes and a big <laughs> fan of early doors. Matt, uh, what is it for early doors that you that you love so much? It's the the subtleness of it, but it just makes me cry laugh with laughter. Um, it is, and and I'm not saying it just because Mark's on, but but Eddie is just my absolute favorite uh. character. And um, do you know what, Mark? It's one of those shows as well where, as a family, and I'm talking sort of my extended family, my my partner's family, we've yeah. been on holidays and we've taken the box sets of Early Doors. <laughs> To watch on an evening, and and we'll regularly talk about the the quiz and when are we going to get the pickles question? Yeah, <laughs> the traffic I mean, lights at Samuel Street. I just love it. It's a funny thing, early doors, because it was you know when we started off, not many people. I mean, the beep didn't really advertise it that much, so mm. people sort of found early doors, you know, word of mouth, or just happened to turn it on, or yeah. And it became quite. It, it's quite a sort of cultish show yeah. now. You know, people Definitely. love early doors. Really love it. I remember once I was studying Manchester and um, I just bought a, a carpet, a mat, and I was stood on the corner waiting for a lift. And this, this, these two skinheads pulled up in this van, this transit, and they were just staring at me. And I was thinking, oh God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and then just as they, you know, the, the lights changed, and just as they're driving off, one of them shouted, Do you like circuses? <laughs> so it was, no, it's great. And it, you know, people will love that show. You'll get, you'll be walking around shops and somebody will just go pickles or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right, oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I'll stay on me. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it as well. But um, for me, uh, your, your performance with Robson Green in City Lights, Northern Lights, and the Christmas specials was always yeah. something that I loved. And how, how was that? That you must have had a great relationship with, with Robson. Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, I, I look on those back on those as real fondness. You know, we made started off with Christmas lights and then that went so well. We then made Northern lights, which is a series. And then we made a series called city lights. And then we made clash of the Sanders, like a second Christmas. So it went on for quite a long time and it was great. And Robson's he's great. He's a great lad, you know, and um, we just had a laugh. You know, I mean, you sent me that little thing yesterday on, um, <laughs> I, I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't even remember doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's just something that really stuck in my mind. And I sent it to Matt just before the start of this. And we've both been humming Parkinson yeah. theme tune for the yeah. last 10 minutes. But, but worryingly saying that. Yeah, yeah. we're going, going to what? Recording. It's like, it's like I mean, for anybody listening to what that yeah. clip is, you'll have, to, you'll have to have a look because uh, it's quite rude, isn't it? So, it is, um, yeah. I couldn't, you know, you know I, I watched it and I was laughing. I was thinking, when did I, I don't even remember doing that. I can't remember if we did it as a joke or not. I mean... The wonderful Jeff Pope, who, who wrote it, I can't remember how it ended up being, whether it was us messing about or it was Jeff. Yeah. I had a friend who used to do it. Sometimes <laughs> these ad-libs are, you know, some of the best parts, aren't they? Yeah, and, you know, I, I work with, and we've been lucky enough to work with some directors who just let me, you know, let you go at the end of it, so, you you know, you don't know what you're going to get after you finish, so. Brilliant. Sometimes you do stuff, and it, it ends up being in there, which is great fun. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Is there a particular piece in your your portfolio that you're most proud of, or is it the whole the oh, whole gambit? God. I mean, there's so many. I've been really lucky, you know. There's so mm. many people I work with, and I mean, a lot of the small jobs I've loved. You know, I, I you know I can't think offhand. I've loved. Yeah, I oh, try right. to everything I do. You know, not get bitter. Yeah, there's so there's so so much. You've you I've just looked through your IMDb before um before we came on, and there there is so much there. So congratulations on a great career. More to come. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, they've just announced the Strictly contestants as well, or some of them. And obviously, you were on Strictly a few years back. How did you find oh, well, that experience? Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I I still don't know how I ended up on it because I I always said I'd never do reality show because I'm not particularly. You know, I'm a, I watch some of them, but I'm not particularly into doing that, you know. But I don't know, Strictly was different, and I loved it. I mean, I had bad knees, so I couldn't really walk. But <laughs> apart from that, it was, it was a great experience. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be on with a lovely... I mean, genuinely, all the celebs on my year were lovely. There was no, you know, there was no egos or anything. So I was really lucky. And, um, yeah, it was a bizarre bubble to be in, you know, something I'd sure. never been, never experienced before. and. I don't know. I never wore so many sequins and things, you know. But yeah. uh, but, but a you great laugh. No, you were in it for lap. quite a long time as well, Mike, weren't you? Was it week ten yeah, or 10 something? That, yeah. Yeah, ten weeks. Yeah. I mean, I um, I don't know. I think because I because I hurt my knees and it, we sort of knew we couldn't win. It sort of took the pressure off us a bit. So yeah. And, and you know, I, I obviously relied on what I do, so yeah. brought a sort of a lot of character to it, I guess, and. I think that's what people enjoy. I mean, that's what I think about Strictly. I, yeah, I get bored. I get bored when the when the characters go, out. and that's why it was great yeah. when Bill Bailey won it because it was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, you could yeah. see him getting better and better, and then he won it. You know, and you think that's yeah. great because that's someone who genuinely learns. And it's the journey, you know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Local lad as well, Bill Bailey from just down the road in Kingsham, in Bristol. Yeah. Course, yeah, no, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, Mark Middlesbrough. Um, yep. Obviously, you've been a Middlesbrough fan, I assume, since since birth, more or less. Uh, no, I haven't actually. No, okay, I, I wasn't in the foot footy when I was young because um, my dad wasn't, and my brother, older brother, wasn't. So, yeah, no, I wasn't really into football. I I, um, I was taken to a match. I can't remember how old I was. You know, maybe 16, 17, 18, something. And I was taken to a match by uh, Marcus Bentley, the voice of Big Brother. Oh, right, yeah. He uh, he said, I'll oh, come to a match. So I went to one and that was it. You know, I just was hooked. As soon as I, you know, saw grown men crying on the terraces. Um, the Premier League days of Janino, Emerson, 
Ravanelli were always yeah. ones that stuck out for me as the the biggest Middlesbrough yeah. players of years gone by. Um, you've seen, you know, before and after that as well. Yeah. Just pick out some players that uh, are your heroes. Well, Janino was the the one for me, you know. Uh, I've never seen anybody like him. And, and you know, and also a brilliant temperament. Uh, you know, I loved him. But, you know, I, I liked... I liked Hignett. Craig Hignett was a great player for us. Brilliant player, yeah. Hignett and Bambi together. Yeah. You know, they were brilliant. They were, you know, we used to call them the little dams or something, didn't they? And they were they were great together. But you know, I love Nigel Pearson, Captain Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, we know him. Will, will he get a good reception? <laughs> will he get a good reception tomorrow, Mark? Do you think? What from the stands? Yeah. <laughs> No, from, uh, he'll be sat from, in the stands, is what I'm saying. He'll be sat in the stands, yeah. I just wonder if he'll get a good reception from the Borough fans tomorrow. I would have thought so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I would have thought so. Um, we've, got, um, we've got Curtis Fleming as an assistant at the moment as well. Uh, Curtis was great, yeah. was fast as well. No, he's a good, he's a good man. I mean, I don't, we've been through so many managers and so many players. You know, mm. what I mean, and the difficulty is now, of course, you, you look back at those days and you you want that back again. But, you know, it's a different climate now with footy, isn't it? You just can't. It's like Warnock, you know, he's trying to get players cheap or on loan. Or, and that's the sort of, that's the market we're in at the moment. And luckily for us, when I don't know about you guys, but Steve Gibson is such a brilliant chairman. You know, he's so, he's a fan. Yeah. Well, we're lucky We're lucky to have one of those as well in, in yeah, Steve so Lansdowne. You know, you know, it's brilliant because you know that he's, he's trying to do his best for the club, you know, and there's no... You just think, how long can these owners last in this? You know, because it's it's not a millionaire's game now; it's a billionaire's game, isn't it? Yeah. But I don't know about you, you guys. Though. I mean, I quite. And this is going to sound probably rubbish because obviously I'd love us to be in the Premiership, but I quite like being in the Championship because it's it's so much more of an even keel. Yeah. Yeah, you know well, I, mean? I completely see what you're saying there, but you've actually been in the Premier League, whereas we haven't. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. no, <laughs> I appreciate that. No, but I mean, you know, last time we were in the Premiership, was it was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. I mean, we we that one I can't remember. We only won a couple of games, and you know, every match you were going into, it was like, oh, we're going to lose. Yeah. yeah, and like at least in the Championship, you know, every single team in that league, you can win or lose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We said that last season that anyone could beat anyone, and that's what yeah, makes it so you know so great and it's, one of the most popular yeah. leagues in the in the world. It's Absolutely. funny. I was chat, chatting about it last night to a group of mates, and I said I'd happily stay in the championship for the next twenty years mm. because of the fact it's such a good league. I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong. I'm glad you're not our chairman. No, I want to <laughs> go to the Premier League. Of course, I do. But like yeah. Mark saying, I think it is one of those games where anybody can beat anybody. Yeah. yeah, get the odd season where you get a bit of a whipping boy, but more often than not, that's not the case. And yeah. I look at Ip- Ipswich fans who were really unhappy with McCarthy and the fact that they'd not gone up in whatever it was. Yeah, and look, look how far they then fell. So for yeah. me, I'm, I'm with Mark. I think it's superb. It really is. A, oh yeah, a, every Absolutely. week. I don't know what you get. Yeah. I'd just like yeah. to have that experience. Um, oh, of course, it, up yeah. in the Premier League to go to some of those grounds and yeah, uh, yeah it'd be fantastic. But. Um, you mentioned Neil Warnock there, uh, Mark. He's got yeah. a bit of a love-hate relationship. More more hate than love, I'd say, for Bristol City. Uh, um, what, what are your thoughts on Colin, as he's affectionately known? Well, he's got he's, he's got a love-hate relationship with every team, hasn't he? <laughs> uh, I think he's great. You know, he's yeah. you know when he's your manager, you love him, don't you? Because I just you know straight talking and yeah, you know, he, he turned your yeah. season around last season, didn't he? Yeah, well, that's, this is the thing sometimes, isn't it? I think, you know, we had people like Gary Monkin who 
it didn't, you know, in a, how can I phrase this? Did rather badly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you get someone like Warnock in, it's just solid. And, you know, he, and he's not like Pulis because Pulis plays pretty boring football, really, doesn't one, he? One dimensional. We've had him yeah. as well. Yeah, we but, had him, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm Pulis did all right. You know, we did well with Pulis, you know, we did, we nearly made the playoffs. But I like Warnock. He, I think he's got a great football mind and he, you know he cares and, you know, he, he's he's a straight talker, isn't he? And I know some, he gets on some people's nerves, but he's like he's like Dennis Wise, wasn't he? he? used to hate Dennis Wise when you played against them, but you know, you'd love him on your team. Yeah. yeah. It's funny with, with, with Neil Warnock, though, patching it, because... Um, like you said, he's got that love-hate relationship, but he didn't get on with Gary Johnson, didn't get on with Lee Johnson, so it kind of was that. He's had a couple of dodgy moments at, at Ashton Gate with a, a ghost goal and then yeah. getting practically attacked when we beat Palace. Right. He, came out, he came out with a statement that, that when he dies, he wants to be booed by Bristol City fans. Because <laughs> he's so used to it. And a you, minute's boo. That's, that's the man, isn't it? It's just... Brilliant. Yeah, a minute. He, always, he, always, he says about the fans coming back. He said that the most thing, he, the, the, the most common thing he always says about when the fans are back. He says, That's great because I like to be booed by the away fans. Okay, so in terms of Middlesbrough this season, Mark, who yeah. who, who to watch out for tomorrow is some of the danger men. <laughs> Obviously, you know we we were linked to Asom Belonga for for so many years, and it never came. And now he's left you as well. <laughs> I know. We I wish you took him. Um, <laughs> Well, Ikpiezu looks good up front, I think. I mean, obviously, it's early days, but he looks a big handful. And, yeah. you know, Watmore's great. Uh, Tavernier is great. You know, there, I, I, I think when Tavernier, hopefully, he'll start Tavernier because I think when he's on, he makes a difference. You know, he's, uh, he's attacking, he's, you know, he's fast. He'll go for goal all the time. And we've got this new guy, this Argentinian Piero or Pajero or however you say it. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing him because he's supposed to be uh, really good. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because sometimes they take quite a while to, to bed in when they go to England. When you think of Bristol City, what what goes through your head? Joe Sims. Joe Sims. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I had, actually I had a brilliant day. Uh, I came and and had a match day with Joe. Um, your uh, Ashton Gate and I had a I had a brilliant day and I think it was a draw in the end so you know it was all right we were both <laughs> but yeah no Joe invited me down and he's a wonderful human being as you probably know and um, you know I had a posh meal and um, <laughs> did a little bit of a kind of question and answer and uh, no I had a great day and it's a lovely ground and I, I absolutely love Bristol I think Bristol's a great city yeah I mean it's quite pop, quite a, an acting sort of hub isn't it. Yeah, well, it's got a very arty feel, hasn't it? And then you know, there's some great places to eat there, and it's just a, it's just a it's just a great city. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, Bristol City. Uh, yeah, I um, I have no particular uh, <laughs> got no beef with us, Mark. Have you? No, no, no connotations. No, it's not like you know Sunderland or Newcastle. Even though, yeah. to be fair, I don't mind Sunderland Newcastle. I prefer we're in the same league because it makes it a bit more exciting. But yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. just, just to finish off, Mark. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for for coming on and giving us that that chat. But um, you must be looking forward to getting back down, band down the ground. It's been obviously so long. Yeah, I mean, well, I live down south now on the south coast, so it's even longer. But yeah, I mean, as soon as I go um, next time I go up, I'm going to make sure it's on a match day so I can try and get a ticket. So yeah, no, I, I, you know, and I, 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 I'm glad they haven't stopped the, you know, being able to watch it. Pay, pay 
the tenor and watch it on the telly because I love that because at least I get to see all the matches, you know. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully it'll be a good match today. I mean, uh, how are you playing? Joe, I was about to, Joe, Joe said uh, they didn't play too well in the first match. Well, we've we, both games we've played so far, we've conceded a, a, a last minute, you know, last injury time minute equaliser. So not great, but, um, you know, early. It's early days, early days, but early I, I, doors. It's early doors. It's early doors. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone who's listening who hasn't watched early doors or um, city lights, Northern lights, please do try and look it up and anything that marks in because it's fantastic. And uh, as you say at the start, it's fantastic, Matt, to uh, to get one of your comedy heroes on. So thank you so much, Mark. Um, all the best yeah. for for today's game. I don't mean that. Um, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll see you down Ashton Gate soon. I look forward to it, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks wishes, Mark. Cheers, Cheers guys. Bye for now. Thanks, guys. Okay, so it was great to get Mark Benson on the podcast, uh, star of Stage Screen and Ballroom. Um, we're now driving home from Middlesbrough. It is uh, 1953 at 7.53. Um, we've just refueled with a Whopper and a KFC. And... Uh, we're traveling home. It's been a 2-1 defeat. Um, let's take some positives. Nigel Pearson came down to the touchline on the 60th minute. He played two up front and we equalized. Um, Rob Atkinson came out of it with some credit, as did possibly Jada Silva. But um, we're going to come through the, new, the normal bits and pieces. So uh, Matt's in the car with me, as well as Rich, Rich Brown from the regular show. So we're going to go through the motions so starting lineup Matt obviously no Calamo Dowda and uh, Casey Palmer coming in from the team at Blackpool yeah which I guess wasn't a surprise because it was the team from Blackpool um, personally I don't I don't think Casey can play that role and do himself justice um, but I, you know what what other options I, I possibly would have gone um, Jada Silva in that position and Cam Pring at left back but it wasn't a surprise, was it, with what he did? Um, maybe for me, I would like to have, and I said it on um, on Jeff Twentyman show on Monday. I would have liked to have seen us play a three at the back with Callas coming in, because you know what they're going to do. Middlesbrough, um, big unit in Igpiazu, uh, and they're always going to try and get it forward and, and bully you. And I think Callas would have given us, you know, he, he, he is a, a defender, a proper defender, isn't he? But yeah. Realistically, I suppose that it, you know, none of it wasn't a surprise. The lineup was it? No, and I think um, obviously with Palmer coming into the starting lineup, it gave uh, Saiku Jana a chance on the bench um, after his two goals at Forest Green. Um, okay, so we're going to go through uh, the minutes as we usually do. So on the fifth minute, Rob Atkinson drives forward, and quite frankly. It was great to see. We know he can do it. He drove forward, but then he had little to no option. He was driving forward um, and almost got a little bit lost when he got into the, the final third, really, Matt. Yeah, and, and it was a bit of a theme throughout the game with Atkinson and actually with Nathan Baker as well. Nathan Baker brought the ball out in the second half. But with, with all of those passages of play, they were looking for someone to make a run, make a move, stand still to get the ball into them and it was almost like we were playing with 10 men at times but that, that particular passage of play I, I looked at Darren a friend of ours who was there and uh, I sort of said to him you know how long are we going to have this kiddie with us because you know we're, we're talking about a lad who brought it out from defence but this was on the edge of their penalty area that he's looking for the pass he'd ran the length of the pitch with it 
um, and it's, it's class but yeah we just, we just had no movement yeah okay um, into the 37th minute is when the first goal comes we said you know coming up we don't want to go a goal down at, uh, away to Middlesbrough we know the gamesmanship and the tricks that uh, Neil Warnock will play, play so uh, didn't want that to happen but it did 37th minute it was um, Zach Viner who you know should have got a tackle in for me he was turned the player went past him the ball goes across the face of the goal it's not cleared and um, I think it was Jada Silva on the far post who um, wasn't close enough to the man the man got in front of him and um, and we go one goal down Rich your thoughts on that first goal yeah the Zach Viner thing I do think we lost it quite cheaply for about the pitch there with um, Alex Scott God bless him no, great future just a bit of strength, just got caught in possession and they, they broke. To be fair, yeah, as a defender, you don't want to get beaten like that, but the bloke did turn quite quite smartly. Got the cross in, it kind of chipped, uh, it kind of took a little deflection, didn't it? And I think, like you say, the silver was kind of, the bloke come from behind him and just got the ball before him and just lashed into net, really. But I wouldn't say you could see it coming, but it's just one of those goals that we just seem to concede. Just yeah. seem to be switch off and we get punished for it. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, any comment? Yeah, I think for me, we, we've got to bear in mind as well that, that Zach Viner's learning this position. Like, if this is now going to be where Nigel Pearson sees him playing, we're going to have to accept the fact that he's going to make mistakes. I mean, he, he got too square on and, and it was just too easy for the guy to get past him, put a cross in. And then you've got Ik Piazu, who is bigger than me, tall as patch, and he's up against Jada Silva. Well, he could have rolled me in the net. I mean, he would have had to roll me as well, but... <laughs> <laughs> Could have rolled me in the net. So what Jada Silva was going to do, yeah, you know, what, what a surprise. It's a it's a tough one sometimes with the you know that position that Viner was in because defenders are taught to jockey um, and not to dive in. He, but he, you've got to just make the right choice, haven't you? He just went close enough to Apache. Yeah. When when the ball got played to him, he allowed him a, a ten yard gap when it should have been a five yard gap, and then he was too square. So the guy literally went to go one way. Viner went with it and too late then to, to come back in yeah, so. almost, almost almost caught Viner uh, flat footed yeah, yeah. Couldn't, re- couldn't react quick enough yeah okay so we go into the break um, one goal down uh, into the second half 52nd minute Jada Silva has a chance to attack the left wing and turns back and passes backwards now a number of times you, you know you've got that you've got that open um, pitch in front of you and uh, it happened later on with, with Jana but um do you think that's a lack of confidence to go forward versus an instruction, Matt? I'd like to think he's the, the first. Um, I think Pearson sort of talked afterwards in his interview about players taking the responsibility. Um, you know, and, and I think with Jada Silva, if, if it was me coaching him, I would be saying to him, your strength is going forward. Take it. Take it to the byline. Get crosses in. If he gets beat, tackled, as he's trying to do that on the byline, fine. But don't just needlessly turn back in. To be fair to him again, I think playing one up front and playing someone like Chris Martin, who, to be fair to him, is far more mobile this season than I've ever seen him. Um, but he's not someone who's going to be able to run and run and run for you in that number nine position. So Jay didn't really have much of an option as well, did he? No, absolutely not. A couple of minutes later, there's a chance on the edge of the box for Andy Vyman. Um, he takes a shot which is something that I, you know, it's something that we want to see more of. Shots on goal, shots on target. Um, but I don't know if you noticed, Rich, but Chris Martin was quite furious with him for taking the shot. 
Well, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if Chris Rogers can give the shout-out to Leonard Square, or if, but like you say, I think Bowman did the thing that most strikers would do when you're in the 18-yard box, is to try and get a shot away. And it was, yeah, it was, it was blocked, but yeah, Martin didn't look happiest. But if I can go back to what Matt was saying then, that, that, the story of the game was it for me, that they just seemed to run and then just stop. Yeah. They seemed to, like, no come options. to... Not, they didn't even come to such a block of corridors, they could have just stopped yeah. and chose option to kind of check and pass back. Also, when you're sat higher in the stands like we were, you can see that there's actually you know, never 20 yards of space to run into. So, yeah. like you said, run into that space and then make them think about you, rather than you just, all right, oh, we better start again, better pick more passes in, score that, that great goal. Just sometimes you've got to just go for it and just put the cross in and hopefully a striker or a midfielder and a uh, link midfielder's run might just connect with it and you know, get a goal at least. Yeah. Okay, um, interesting what you said there, Rich, in terms of being up in the stands. Well, Nigel Pearson has spent a lot of time up in the stands, um, and he appears actually on the 60th minute on the touchline. And Matt, we're I think we're happy with sitting up in the stands for the first half to see how the games go in. You know, give a more you know accurate, if you like, halftime team talk. But we fully expect him to be in the stands. Sorry, in the in the dugout for the second half and that came in the 60th minute yeah maybe, maybe I'm a traditionalist I'm, I'm not happy about him being in the stands in the first half um, and I think when he was asked about it um, and why he came down and he sort of said you know he, he had to get some, some things across in um, you know you shouldn't have a manager who needs to be on the touchline shouting and, and gesticulating to players and, and I agree with him you shouldn't have but we've got a lot of youngsters out there we're a newish team trying to play in a certain formation um, I th- personally think it's important that your manager your focal point is on the sidelines and that's one of his strengths for me he is a focal point yeah. he has got a presence you can feel him on the touchline looking at you so you're going to up your game I'm glad you've um, <laughs> you qualified that because I thought there's no way you're getting away with that <laughs> um, no I, I mean I, I think it's a no brainer and, and I, I accept what he's saying yes when you're in the stand you can see the patterns of play but I also think you, you kind of get caught up with it even when you're in the stands so actually it doesn't really make a massive difference and if you've done your your due diligence and your training and everything and you knew you, Christ almighty how many times have we watched Middlesbrough we know how Middlesbrough are going to play mm. we know what any Neil Warnock side is going to do so I don't see that he needs to be there and was it coincidental that when he does come down, we see an upturn in our performance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, straight away, uh, Casey Palmer gets a, gets a chance on the edge of the box and curls it narrowly wide. Um, an unfortunate, you know, it was a great great to get another again to get a shot on goal. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> straight away, he gets he gets pulled off. Um, so Casey Palmer comes off and Naki Wells comes on, and it's at this point, Rich, that we see two players up top, which is something seems a bit obvious to me uh, that that's what we need to do I think it's obvious obvious to us all patch but it might be funny this is a new coaching staff new backroom staff different players but Bristol City seems, it seems to be the DNA of the club at the minute to kind of play this way which I don't know where it's like I don't know if football's got too clever for itself or not but we all know to up front that's the kind of traditional way of playing football and that's what we, we, want, that's what we want to see because if, if Chris Martin's flicking it on there's actually no one near him to actually off, off the header, you know what I mean. So, it's got to be too up front. I know, I know away from home, you can, you might play that way to take out the pressure. But no, the future, our strengths are to, uh, to up front. No yeah. doubt. Absolutely. That's right for me. Um, okay, so Pearson's in the dugout, two up front. 
A few minutes later, it's a goal for Andy King. The cross, it's a, it's a set piece. The cross comes in from Matty James. And Andy King, you know, he heads it in unopposed, really, Matt. It was one of those opportunities we'll take all day, but I'm not sure where the marking was. And uh, I decided to get my camera out and film that. So that one's on Twitter if you want to have a look at that from our perspective. But uh, back in the game, Matt. Yeah, and um, I've got to be honest to say I've been calling for Andy King to be subbed off sort of five, ten minutes before that. Um, so, yeah, arguably I look, I look a bit stupid, but <laughs> in all honesty, um, That's what we did. anybody yeah, um, anybody could have scored that goal, really. It was, a, it was a good run, but the ball made it. But more than that, Middlesbrough's really, really poor defending allowed him to be completely unopposed and have a free header in the six-yard box. But um, for me with Andy King... It's, it's too slow, it's too ponderous. Um, I don't see anything that warrants him starting over Hannah Masenga or Tyreek Backinson, um, other than Nigel Pearson trusts him, but it, he's not really doing anything. Um, but you have to say, it was you know, good, a good finish. And from that point on, you know, for five minutes, we, we were on top and you kind of thought we'd watch 60 minutes of real rubbish, if I'm honest. And then thought, Christ Almighty, we might end up getting a three-one here again. You know, we could go on and do something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fair play to Andy King. He's, he's headed it in, and it's probably a you know a boyhood dream come true scoring for Bristol City as a as a fan growing up. So, big congrats to Andy King um, for getting his goal. Um, we're only equalised. We only we're only level for a matter of minutes when uh, Crook scores from a set piece. Atkinson doesn't win the initial header. Um, and then Andy King doesn't pick up the, the runner. So uh, Crooks gets in. I'm not sure if it was uh, a kick or a header, but it's bundled into the net. And Rich, within five minutes, we're back to 2-1 and up against it again. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of silenced the Middlesbrough pride, didn't we, when we scored. They, they, they're big, they're big end to our left, quite vocal game. But yeah, once they once we did, they were silenced. But yeah, we give them the... In possession, we kind of got them. We were back in the game, like Matt said. We were on our way to looking as if we could win the one and snatch the three points. But yeah, depot situation, little tap in centre of the goal there, and well, the good no, the good. I say good work. The, the, the work we got back and get back into the game was undone. You can you, and you couldn't see us getting back into it. Then I think I think the game just petered out. They were going down like Warnock's team do. They go down for easy fouls. We're giving away giving away stupid fouls, and it just. Same old feeling walking away from the ground, I'm afraid. Yeah. But that five, ten minutes, Matt, it was good to be back, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. But I think, again, one of the other things for me was I don't see any leaders out there. Um, and I'll, I'll use an example. We, we'd we scored, got back in it, and then we had a free kick. Um, I can't think who was fouled. Naki Well steps up to take it. And like I used to say to all of my youth kids when we were, you know, taking them up through the through the years, when you have a free kick that you know distance from the goal, the most important thing is to hit the target. Mm. And Naki Wells just blast it into the wall, low, low down, and blast it into the wall. Trying to be clever, wasn't he? Yeah, he was trying to, trying to obviously drive it under the wall. And you kind of thought, you know, like Rich said, that, that it was the the typical Neil Warnock tactics. The ball goes behind the goal, the keeper gets a ball. You know, he catches with no one around him, but he has to fall on the floor. And it's not nice to see, but it's what we don't do. And it's what, you know, seasoned championship sides like Neil Warnock's teams will do. 
Yeah. Um, but we just wasted it. Yeah, we wasted opportunities. Absolutely. Okay, so the response from Nigel Pearson in the dugout was to swap out Alex Scott for Psycho Jana after his two goals at Forest Green on Tuesday. Um, your thoughts on that substitution, Matt? Jana for Scott? Yeah, we, we called Dimmy that um, following his performance. And let, let me be clear to say as well that I don't think it was a 9 out of 10 performance the other night. He scored two good goals, but... Um, you know, there was there was more to give, but he did he did well. Um, the the one thing that he does give you is pace, um, and he's got a little bit of trickery. But you know, it's what we're missing in that team. That team has no pace. So, and when he came on, he did cause some problems, didn't he? You know, he, he got at them, ran at them, um, a little bit unlucky on a couple of occasions. But sort of Rich's point, a couple of times he got the ball, and there was no one showing for him. So he, he immediately would have two players on him. And his only option was to turn back. And there was one point where he made the run. He was sort of left-hand side, level with their box. And the ball ends up going back to Dan Bentley. Yeah. Where there was no option for him. And, you know, he didn't want to obviously give it away. Whereas the difference between... I know it's compare it, not a fair comparison, but with um, a, a Zaha for Crystal Palace... He's just going to drive, 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 yeah. drive into the box, cut inside, and try and get a shot away. Yeah. Whereas Janus, yeah, Janus picked the ball up. He's driven forward. He's come up against no options, and he's turned around and, and retained the ball. Yeah, yeah, and and we're two we, one down. We, we build again, and then he got back to not back to Baker, and then Baker just launches it in. Yeah, that, that was too much of that today. Yeah, that diagonal long ball. I don't know what he's expecting Chris Munch to do, like bring it down on his chest and do whatever, but too much long ball from the back today for me another substitution comes a couple of minutes later Rich Viner for Callas and Callas seemingly going to right back Callas we all know he should start I mean I thought the check getting the Euros I know I'm not saying he was, he was you know the factor for that but obviously his confidence is out there he's, a, he's an international footballer for God's sake he's, he's marked some of the best players in the world so no we don't know there was speculation there was something happening behind closed doors we don't know that but um, we're just guessing if he's available to play, he should be on the pitch, shouldn't he? You can't, no one can't tell, you can't tell you, oh, he ain't match fit, but he's on the bench because he, somebody could get injured in the first minute and he has to come on. So Does he play right back for you, if if uh, not at centre back? you got, you got, you got to be middle of the centre back. If he's playing further back, you got to be in the middle, organising everything. He's, he's, the, he's the, the, the that linchpin in the middle back there, isn't he? He's your, he's your one you're looking at. So build it around him back there. If you're gonna, whatever, whatever formation you play back there, yeah. he's got to be the central, the focal point. Back I mean, Matt, that, uh, Baker and Atkinson have both put in two, three, two, two good performances. Does Callas, if if he's if it sticks as a four, two, three, one, does Callas come in at right back? How does how do you how do you manage it? Well, he, he doesn't play right back for me. I know he's played there, but he, you, know, you you play him there if you've got an injured injury crisis or something. I mean, he's not a right back. He is a centre half. And he's our best defender. Make no bones about it. He is our best defender. For me, if he if he's going to continually insist on playing the four, he comes in and Baker for me would drop out out of the two because I think Atkinson could bring the ball out. Um, and that's that's tough on Nathan Baker because he's not he's not done anything wrong defensively necessarily, but he's again on on the ball. I mean, Rich just said it. How many times did he make the space? And and to be fair, he did. But then hit a diagonal that went straight out, or we went long, and Chris Martin's only, you know, if he flicks it on, there's no one running behind him. And if he tries to control it, you know, it's in such such a way that there's no way he can then control it and not be tackled. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, for me, he comes in, he comes in at centre-half. I would play as a three with him, Baker, and um, 
Atkinson, but if not, and if Nigel Pearson insists on the four, then one of those two drops out because he has to start for me against Reading. Yeah, okay. Um, time got away with this 89th minute. It was um, a Nathan Baker ball into the box, which Vyman heads over. Never was going to get enough pace on that that header. 92nd minute, King. Andy King gets a chance. Um, he almost does like a little sideways scissors, scissor kick and um, misses the target. But it was a great chance. Was it King or James? I'm Matty, not sure. It was Matty James. Yeah, okay. didn't, didn't seem to connect with it. That was probably last night. Now you, now you always get that one last chance. I think that was the last chance. We knew once that was over, the referee was going to blow his whistle. But yeah, oh, if you connected with it, the, obviously the way in would have gone mental. But yeah. it just wasn't to be. No. Well, we had five minutes or six minutes injury time. And there was another chance. Um, it fell to, to Jana on the edge. Um, he opted to take a touch. And then for me... You've scored two goals on Tuesday night at Forest Green, Matt. Yeah. Just, just have a shot. Just get your foot laces through it and have a shot. It's, um, it was quite frustrating that he didn't. Obviously, he takes a touch and it get, get, gets cut, cut out. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a bit hard to fathom, really, isn't it? Because they looked quite anxious. Um, and Nigel Pearson talked about afterwards about giving them the responsibility. And we're two games in. What, why have they not got the responsibility? What is it that? You know, even today, the crowd are behind them. There's no one; they're not getting on their backs, or so I, I don't get that, and that then worries me from a coaching point of view. What is it that they're? You know, why aren't they taking that responsibility? Yeah, they're scared of in. Yeah, well, if they lose it, they're gonna get like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, and it's you know, let's let's like I said, hands up, and uh, from Mark Benton especially, Middlesbrough deserves to win for me, but I think we had. And I might have misheard it, but I'm sure someone said we had 62% possession, yeah. which is incredible because that's a game that didn't feel anywhere near like we were on top, did it, really? Only two shots on target still. Yeah, and, and we didn't look like... I know we did score, obviously, but we didn't look like we were going to score. Mm. Um, and, you know, I know I quite often talk about Casey Palmer because I do like Casey Palmer, and I know that a number of other people, and I'm, and I'm not disputing what they're saying Ian phoned Radio Bristol who I've got a lot of time for um, and Ian sort of says he doesn't know what he is he doesn't provide assists he doesn't shoot and I think Les said the same thing off River Bristol I'll tell you what he isn't lads he's not a left midfielder so don't play him there and then don't criticise the bloke for playing in that position and not doing what he should do now in the same way as Naki Wells has not been given enough of an opportunity as a number 9 number 10 in a front 2 to show what he can do Casey Palmer hasn't been given enough opportunity in that 10 roll behind or with players which again quite rightly I think Mark might have called um, that you know we'll, we'll make those runs for you um, so we also you know we've got to be a little bit careful how we criticise these players because they're being played in positions that just aren't their best positions Casey Palmer Casey Palmer should be the one who unlocks that door yeah. you know, to me he gets the ball what 25 yards out and when, when he spots the run he's the one who can play the yeah. through ball through the slide ball pass that's that's the what that's what he can do, and we've seen it, we have seen it. We've seen him do it from Bowman's hat trick going yeah. United a few years ago. And if, if we're going to do that and and criticise Palmer and and lads, I'm not meaning that they're the only ones because they're not. It's all over the forums and everything. But, but what did Andy Vyman do today? What did Andy King do today? You know, in terms of creativity and so let's not. What did Alex Scott do today in terms of creativity? I can say Bowman to me was like playing, with, not saying like playing with ten men as in. He didn't do anything, but he just looked, seems to be looking at the ball going over, over the top of him. Each, no, yeah. I've gone that way. Gone they've, that way. they've had a great, supposedly great pre-season, yeah. great time up at Loughborough, great to get to know each other, yeah. who's playing where and all of this in this 4-2-3-1. 
but in the last couple of games it's just seemed to me like they don't know where they're playing and where they all fit in and how they get the best out of that position no, I agree with you and, and I think the other thing to say is you've got a goalkeeper as your captain What what is that giving us from, from that point of view with Dan Bentley I don't actually think Dan Bentley's been top form in the last two games I thought today the second goal um, he was very static you know did, didn't come out make himself big or take everything out um, I'll, I'll say it again and, and I'm not Nigel Pearson he's got far more coaching qualities and everything than me we've got no leaders we've got no captain in the side no pace in the side no width in the side all of those four combinations other than that yeah, but those, those four combinations <laughs> you're not going to win games and you're not going to do anything but struggle in this league you know and we've, we've played no disrespect to Blackpool or Middlesbrough but I don't expect either of them no. to be top six and probably not even top ten so you know yeah. yeah tough times ahead and um, as I say we, we were on Radio Bristol for five minutes at the uh, after the game and I called it that uh Nigel Pearson, although great, he came down for the last half an hour, didn't come across to the away fans and, uh, you know, applaud them for a 550-mile round trip, um, which we're used to, to be fair, aren't we, Matt, in terms of previous managers gone by? Let's, let's be honest, you know, no one expects him to bounce around the ground. No. no, he's not that sort of character. But as an, an absolute minimum, you come across and you applaud your fan base. You know, and I, and I, and I mean... You come across to the corner that they are in. You don't stand by the dugout doing it. Um, and you know, let's let's go back to about being in the stands and stuff. You know, Nigel Pearson comes on saying, you know, it's a bit of an irrelevant question. It's not important. It is to us as fans. You know, and we're the ones we've paid our money. We're not going to get into half past ten tonight. Um, we've seen a a really poor performance again on the back of a number of other poor performances since Nigel Pearson's took charge. And the least he can do is come across. If you also add into the fact that um, he's having this little bit of a churlish spat with with Gregor, um, however you want to dress it up, but but it is that's the case. Um, and again, you know, Greg Gregor's doing his job, yeah. And and if I was Gregor, I would be pulling Nigel Pearson to the side and saying, look, can we have a chat? Because the way this dynamic's working is just not looking very clever. Mm. But but Nigel has a duty as my football manager to speak to our local press and do it in a way that you know I can look at and listen to and think yeah that you know that's a stupid question and he's given him the right answer but don't do it in a way you know the bloke's doing his job um, yeah. so and, and you know Nigel Pearson's under pressure he, he you know he must realise that what is it two wins in 17 games or something yeah, like that apparently no win since March which um, yeah I don't know the stats but yeah two he wins a, he, has a, he does have a duty like to come over to the and fan your way fans yeah. I think that's like you know you get like kind of you know, match of the day balls where the manager has to speak to the interview yeah, after, yeah. after the game not, it's not as if Nigel Pearson stormed off the game and was livid with the person like, there's no reason for him to not just, just walk over give it a little clap you know what I mean yeah and, that's and, just, and just walk off just it's like five, two, two minutes worth it? and yeah. you were saying Matt about in a um, couple of seasons ago all the, the away fans that went to Middlesbrough got an away show or something yeah yeah yeah. Matt I, I mean obviously through the club but Matt Parsons was there we're the table giving them out um, and you know again go back to the Blackpool game last week and I didn't didn't call it out but that's that's Nigel Pearson's first game in charge of Bristol City in front of his home fans 
and he doesn't come out on the pitch. Exit left. She likes it. He doesn't come out on the pitch at the start of the game to yeah. allow the fans to acknowledge him as the manager, and then at the end of the game, he doesn't come down from the stands and come out and acknowledge him. Mm. Tuesday night at Forest Green, he walks from the stands across to the corner, clapping the people as he was going, but not. You know, we were the length of that side. Didn't go out of his way. Didn't go out of his way, and. and you know, I like Nigel Pearson. I, I still think he's the right man for the job. Um, I hope I'm right with that. But he's not endearing himself to City fans. And when you're doing that and the results aren't going for you, yeah. it only ends one way. Which reminds me a bit like Tony Pulis when he came down. Never kind of, never made that connection, did he? Yeah. With the fans. I know he had a history of Rovers and whatever, etc. But he could have made uh, contact then. Yeah, Pearson, like you say, first game, he could have got the fans right on his, yeah. you know, on his side straight away, couldn't he? Yeah, but he's chosen the hard way. It's all, it's all the little things that uh, that it make is. such a big difference. It is, and, and I like him. You know, we, we were fortunate enough to meet him. I find him really, really pleasant to talk to. Um, you know, obviously comes across as very honest. But you know, you, you've got a lot of young kids, and Rob, um, blame me, blame me on the WhatsApp group. We've got one of our friends. He was. Um, do you want me to read, read what he said? Yeah, yeah, please, yeah. Because it, 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 you could not get this more right, I don't think. So this is the comment he made today, yeah? No, the one from... Yeah, the, but the one about um, Brentford. Okay. That's right, I can cut that bit. Uh, let me find it. So much shit, isn't it? <laughs> it was last night when he did it. So yeah, Rob said, uh, watching that tonight brings into very sharp focus and with great sadness how far behind we've fallen um, and how bad things are. Brentford, the 50th club to appear in the Premier League and we're in the minority of 42. Brentford, progressive, younger manager, a brand of football to get excited about. City, struggling in the championship, um, have never graced the Premiership, entrusting an old school manager to rip everything up, turn it around and effectively start again. Just three and a half years ago, we looked like we could be the Brentford that we witnessed today, whereas it now feels like that is light years away. And that, that sort of was, although quite depressing, you know, there's, there's, uh, it rings, uh, rings true. I thought he was absolutely spot on, and, and Rob often is, to be fair. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I watched that game last night at Brentford, and, and you know, we, we've talked about DNA as Bristol City fans, or not really as the fans, Mark Ashton and Lee Johnson and Steve Lansdowne and... But Brentford have a way of playing and they, they've kept that going in the, the Premier League. But Thomas Frank, and it's easy when you win, I know, but he's walking around the ground afterwards having selfies with young fans and, you know, there's there's the real buy-in with it. Whereas I, I'm feeling quite disconnected from my football manager and my club at the moment. Um, and then you add to that that the players don't seem to be particularly happy with the way that they're playing. Um, performances just aren't good. It, it, it was almost like when they went to um, to up front. It was almost like, okay, right, we know what we're doing now, yeah. um, and, then, and then off you go. I will just say that I did uh, before the game um, versus Blackpool, Ashton Gate. I did see Nigel Pearson go down to the corner of the safe stand, the Lansdowne, do an interview with Dave Barton, and on the way back, he did do a few selfies with fans. But I completely, you know, but I mean, get the sentiment. I mean, in terms of coming into the centre of the pitch or being, yeah. you know, how many times have you had a new manager who gets appointed, and the, the fans are given an opportunity to let him know what they think of him? Yeah. And like I said, I, I do. I'm not. 
I sound quite negative and no, just, I do really like feed, Nigel Pearson yeah. but I just think that we're missing he's, he's missing a trick and when you add into that the the kind of alright I mean it's it's not a battle but there's a little bit of to and fro between Gregor and, and him when you read that and you're reading it on the back of the defeats that we're having in the performances it just doesn't leave a very nice taste in the mouth I don't yeah. think Okay, um, so I know Matt is driving, but um, just get let's just go through the ratings. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll I'll assist you by giving you the player. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Dan Bentley in goal. Um, I'm going five. I don't think Dan Bentley covered himself in glory again today. I don't I don't recall him having to, or I don't recall him making a save that was kind of top drawer. Um, everything he, he had to do, you know, aside from the two goals. Yeah. He did, but I didn't think it was a particularly commanding performance from him. Yeah, and Rich, jump in if you disagree with any of this. Um, Zach Viner and Jada Silva. Zach, again, I'm, I'm caveat at it by the fact that I don't think he is a, an out and out right back and he's going to be learning that position. But I've, I've got to be honest and say it was a really poor performance today from Zach. He was certainly at fault for the first goal. Didn't really get forward enough. He had one good opportunity. It's just got to be a forward for me. So what did you? I remember you saying in the game, Matt. Does Zach Viner not know there's, there's players in front of him? Yeah. It's like he's trying to pass it, not realizing there's actually a defender yeah. <laughs> between yeah. the player he's passing to and the ball. Yeah. It's like he can't couldn't see him, wouldn't it? Yeah. Jade Silva, I actually thought was was one of our brighter yeah. sparks in the first half. Um, he, he got on the ball, got got going forward. Um, yes, I suppose he, he did get caught. You could argue with their first goal, but you know, again, like I said, he's up against Ig Piazzu. You kind of wonder where the centre halves were with that. It took a it took a bit of a deflection that didn't it? I think yeah. it's easier. I think it's easier for the striker to run in on that one than it yeah. was for to sort of try and clear it. But right. I'm going to go for him um, again. I've got to look at the, the overall performance of the team as well. So for me, it's a six for Jay. Yeah. Okay, and then um, Nathan Baker and Rob Atkinson at centre back. Um, I've got to be a little bit careful that I don't sort of be accused of Nick, um, Rob Atkinson becoming my sort of favourite and Casey Palmer but for, <laughs> for me he was the bright spark today um, you know probably three or four occasions where he, he brought the ball out really really well um, you know and it's, and it's a shame for anybody who, who didn't get to watch it but I'm, as I said I'm talking about getting to their, their um, penalty box and he, you know, he's got like a, a little body shirt swerve on him. And he, the, the you almost wanted him defenders. to just have a shot. Yeah, yeah. It kind of <laughs> got to that point where you thought he almost could. So, so for me, um, again, you know, I think he probably got beat for the second goal. Um, so I'm gonna, only going to go a six. Six with an asterisk. With an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Nathan Baker again, a solid d- display from Nathan. Um, he actually got on the ball more today. Yeah, he did. And yeah. Brought it out quite well. Yeah. So. I'm going to give him a six as well. Okay. All right, going into the two. So, Andy King and Matty James, obviously an assist. Sorry, a goal for Matty. Goal for Andy King and an assist for Matty James. Outside of that, what are we saying? Um, I don't think either did really anything. Matty James was trying to, to pass the ball, but um, seemed like he was hitting it with a, a five iron rather than a pitching wedge, so everything seemed to go long. That's a goal for reference there, Patrick. Thank you. Yeah. No, I got that. Um, everything seemed to sort of be going long and out of touch. Um, again, I, I don't know what we're working on. That when you've got one player like Chris Martin and the style of Chris, you know, striker that you've got with Chris Martin, the sort of balls we're playing, you know, you've got to play it to his feet and let him control it and let players come off him. 
we don't do that and Matty James hit too many long so it's a five for me for him Andy King scored but like I said I, I'd have backed me mum to score that one um, <laughs> you know it was, it was a good run um, okay. and it's a five yeah in he, fact he was caught for the second goal yeah he was in fact it's a four for me with Andy King I don't think he was very good at all today okay um, alright so the the three when you look on paper and you've got Vyman Scott and Palmer that's an exciting creative three really isn't it so uh, you know where did that go wrong today it should be um, I think part of it was we, and, and it's, it's funny Rich sort of said it earlier on Bristol City seemed to have this habit built in um, I, oh, I'm going to have to use the, the acronym but built in DNA where none of it is joined up so Alex Scott got on the ball an awful lot of time today and not as much with Casey Palmer and he had no option no one to pass to and ended up going back Andy Vyman was kind of head down running didn't really do anything Casey Palmer similarly did nothing at all in the first half got on the ball a bit in the second half as you said had a good shot got taken off but those three should be on the ball being able to, to do something against them but we just didn't Again, for me, it's because it's too slow. The build-up is too slow. Easy to defend against. Rich, you know, put those three in front of uh, most teams with Vyman, Scott and Palmer. There's a lot of creativity, almost, you know, energy as well. Where did it go wrong for you in terms of well, those three? We just couldn't get Vyman on the board today. I didn't think he got the ball at his feet once this seemed to go over. He, like I said, he go over his head, he chased the defender down, just the defender clears it. And he'd run the other way, kind of you know, like you know, playing pig, pig in the middle, kind of thing. Uh, Scott got it. He, he's such a good player to come. Still, probably a bit lightweight in the body. Quite obviously, look, this is a big, this is a big divi- uh, division championship. This isn't like just making your debut in League yeah. Two or League One. This is our division's playing. Casey Palmer, yeah, didn't have the runners in front of him, so he got caught in the ball, or had to go backwards. On their day, on paper, if they if they leaked up, it'd be an awesome f- uh, f- uh, free going forward, but. Just ain't working at the minute. Yeah. Um, Matt, playing, playing Palmer and Scott together, um, you know, there's other, there's other options on the bench. Is that something that let's go into the team? Um, I'm sorry, just, we'll just give a score for Chris Martin and then we'll go into the team for uh, Reading on Tuesday. But Well, so the score for those three, I'd give um, three fives. Three fives, three, okay. Yeah. And Chris Martin up, up top? I think, I think Chris Martin's got a real thankless task. Um, yeah. As I said earlier, I, I think he's fitter and looks fitter than he's ever done for Bristol City. Um, and it's not he, he, he isn't the quickest, but he's not a slouch either. But the ball that he got today was absolutely scandalous. Um, either because it was hit over the top and, and he really was never going to win it, or it was it, it his throw or for him to flick on and what, no runners. I guess it's all, this is what Deji went through for a few years, isn't it? Yeah, but Jesus different for yeah, me because he's powerful he's powerful he, he can used hold, to get the hold the ball up he used to get the ball to his throat yeah. back yeah. to the goal net and people wonder why he couldn't control it if you're going to play a one and, and I don't know today um, I've kind of felt that Middlesbrough played a, a bit of a one with it Piazzi but he did have the other guy who was running alongside him as well but if you've got a big unit you know you patch you talked about Joel Matt from Forest Green yeah um, and he's not a slouch but he's a big physical player so if you do hit the ball in the air at him He's going to win probably 50-60% of the challenges. Chris Martin actually won more than he should do, really, for his height, because he's only, what, 5'10". 
but there's no runners beyond him. So it's kind of a bit fruitless, really. So I do feel sorry for him. I'm, I'm going to give him a six today, but that's based on the effort and the, the ball that he got. Yeah. But this is what we always say. When the, when the ball's been played to Chris Martin, as that ball's in the air, that's when the, that's when the midfielder should be making the run yeah. off him. Not reacting off the header. It's they're being proactive. Waiting for that flick on. Gambling for that flick on. So you're already running as he flicks it on, rather than, oh, shit, he's flicked it on. I better make a run there. The, the bit that amazes me, and like I said, I'm, I know I'm not a coach, I never played at any great level, but if I was managing against Bristol City, I would be saying to my forwards and midfielders, right, on, on the press, if Atkinson's got the ball, make him pass it to Baker, because you know then that the ball's going to go long and you've got a chance to win it back. From a forward point of view, I'd be saying, you know, stand off Chris Martin a little bit and you know, you'll win the header. If I'm coaching City, I'm saying, Play the ball into Chris Martin's feet and get the runners beyond. Mm. Jay De Silva, go past him, get it in. Zach Viner, actually hit the line. Take your man on. He's not a slouch, Zach. But also, play it early. The amount of wasted ball today where we just kept lobbing it. Hoof ball, really, wasn't it? And, yeah. it, and it was. I mean, not... And, and hoof ball without actually any purpose. It's not like you were going to, you know, the long ball, pewless days. Mm. At least you won some of the ball. You know, I don't want to be back to that. This was literally just get rid of the ball um, and maybe that comes back to Pearson's responsibility quote mentioned Pearson there uh, a score for Pearson obviously six is the expectation yeah um, it's a defeat so it's less on, than a six I on, assume on, on today's performance it's a four yeah it, it was just not good enough and the fact he's you know and, and keep being about the whole stand issue you know recognise the fact that actually what you've been sat in the stand in those two games has done nothing in terms of the performances that we're seeing so get back on the pitch and at least that's something else that the fans can have a little <laughs> a little dig about but yeah, yeah for, for me it was tactically not very good today and he knew that by coming down didn't he yeah so we've got two big games Matt coming up um, Reading on Tuesday and then Swansea on Friday there's, there's two games in the space of three days yeah um, Reading away which has not been a happy hunting ground for us in recent years um, and Swansea at home, you know, Swansea um, of obviously got Smith who's injured, Patterson coming back is going to be an emotional one. Um, but yeah, we've got to get some points out of those two games for me. Uh, where do you go with the team on, um, on Tuesday in terms of the personnel, the formation? I'd start a three um, with, with Callas, Wright. Um, Baker in the centre and, and Atkinson left I would go Jada Silva depending on Callum O'Dowd if Callum O'Dowd is not fit I'd go Cam Pring as left wing back um, because I think he's physically a bit stronger than Jay as well as Jay played today right hand side I think you've got to would go. it be out of the question to just fire Jada Silva over on the right or is that too much of a risk yeah I think he's so left footed although he, I mean he can come inside but I think yeah it's a, it's a bit of a risk so I, I probably would still be going Zach Viner on that one because mm. I've not, not been impressed with, with Danny Simpson um, so that would be my my kind of three five, five yeah. if you like yeah. with, with that from a midfield point of view I like Matty James um, I like him on, on, on the ball I think he can pass um, I've not seen enough of, of King that makes me think should you know? Should he be starting over some of the other options we've got? I'd probably be looking at um, Tyreek coming in because he gives you a bit more physicality. Um, and 
So, so we're, we're, probably what's that? So we've got Matty. So we, you're going three five two, okay? Yeah, yeah. So you need one more in the middle. Yeah. So I would go with Han Noah in the middle okay. as well. So for you, Vyman drops out, or yeah. has he got? Yeah, so, no, okay. he drops out. Yeah, drops okay. out for me. Um, so you got Martin and Wells up top. Yeah, and Martin and Wells up top. Rich for you. Yeah. Uh, well, to, me, to be fair, listening to Matt say that, I think that sounds like a great side. To be honest, I think, think you got. Yeah, he'll get back back into the chance. I'll let him back in the team. No, he played last season. He's got a bit of physicality. He's got he's like a little bit of a Rolls Royce in the middle when he gets going. I think he can play well on the ball. Almost like a bulldog, isn't he? You don't let the ball go. Well, just, just the way he just kind of you know, like a gazelle. He just kind of just picks the ball up and you can just no almost similarly like glide across, uh, across the, the pitch. I think yeah, get him on the ball, get winning runners in front of him, get a bit of uh, width. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So I was but talking about Masengo in terms of the bulldog. You Masengo, know, he's... I, think, I think Pearson likes Masengo, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He yeah. picked him up. So. Yeah, he does. But I think with with that, it's it's fairly solid in the middle. Um, you've got, but but it's on the caveat that Jay De Silva, your job is to be bombing forward. Yeah. Or campering, I said, didn't I? Sorry, campering. Your job is to be bombing forward. And yeah, we, we say that like, he was unlucky, Cam, that he missed the penalty because he was our man in a match. Yeah. And then similarly on the right hand side to Zach Viner, if it's going to be Zach Viner, or if not, and it's Danny Simpson, again, get forward. Your your job is you've got to be looking to help create. Um, and people might say, well, there's no creativity in there, but we've not had that with Scott Palmer and Viner. So where's the you know? Absolutely. Start, got to start playing with the shackles off. A bit more confidence, yeah. a bit of shackles off, and you know, just, just just take it to the other team. Rather than trying not to lose a game, which obviously hasn't worked so far, but just let's attack the other team. Give them something to think about for a change. Yeah. We talked about at the start of the season what what we hoped for, and we hoped that we didn't we wouldn't struggle, um, and that we would see some entertaining attacking football. I've not seen that in the two games. There were some positives in Blackpool, not not completely negative. Um, I didn't see anything that I was positive about Tuesday night, um, apart from, from Jana, um, and today especially I didn't see anything against, as I say, not not a very good Middlesbrough side. Yeah. Okie dokie. Um, well, just to say we've had some really good feedback and a big thank you to, to Jerry Topnell who we bumped into up in Middlesbrough did. Um, on that podcast and as I say, I was just absolutely blown away by the man's knowledge of Bristol City and uh, recalling minutes and dates and all sorts, Matt. And uh, yeah, it was it was great to get him on and, and get that that experience from him. Yeah, it was, and, and it says a, a lot about the man when um, you don't see a negative comment about him. Um, and you know, the opposite. So many people were saying what an absolute legend he is and what a nice guy. And you know, privileged enough to know him, and, and we know that. But you know, it's the same for lots and lots of people, and he's you know he is a good news story for the club, and he you know the same way as yeah. you like to your Scotty Murray's and that Jerry's doing a, another cracking job, and you know he's there today meeting and greeting people, in you know yeah top top man yeah brilliant stuff. Okay, um, thanks everyone for listening. Cheers, Rich. Cheers, Matt. And uh, we'll be back probably Wednesday morning to talk about the Reading game, Matt. Yeah, final thing. Can I just say to Mark Benton as well to the regiment. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Cheers, everyone. We'll be back soon.